and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. We move to our text for this day, which will come from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. Uh, This word from a commentator that helps set our minds and hearts for what to listen for in this text. The commentator writes that the rallying behind a leader was typical of what happened in in a patron-client culture. So you had a patron and a client. We say that today, right? You're patrons. And patrons would support these leaders in order to enhance their own prestige within a community. And the leaders would be expected to serve those who became their patrons. People with less money and prestige were willing to become clients of a leader and his patron in order to get a borrowed prestige for themselves. So the Corinthian community had this sense of, of, of result, and, and that's what created the mess that the Corinthian community was in, these allegiances to people, and Paul's trying to resolve this disturbing development within the community by creating a new vision of what it means to belong to God's work in his kingdom. So when we hear these words of Paul penned in Ephesus to the church at Corinth, Paul is trying to remind people who they truly belong to. Listen to these words. Actually, in verse 4, which I did not include, helps set the stage. Paul says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, you are not mere, aren't you not just merely human beings? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let's pray together. May your spirit, O God, stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together would be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ in whose name we've gathered, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will depart and seek to serve faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. Amen. I remember the summer trips growing up as a child and going to my mother's side of the family farm. They raised dairy cattle, they had Belgian horses, And every summer we would go outside the back door was a magnificent garden. My grandmother and grandfather knew how to grow vegetables because that was their grocery store. You would go downstairs to the basement and as you hit the very bottom level, you would make a U-turn. And if you pulled the curtains back in that dark 
cool place. What do you think was all on those shelves? Cans of everything. Yeah, everything. Even when Sean and I met and we were in college and we were married and poor college students on Sunday afternoon, we would go to her papa's, her grandfather's place, and he had an acre of land and he had the most amazing garden in the back. He could grow anything. And especially towards the mid and end of summer, we would go because it was a feast of vegetables. You know, tomatoes so big you could just hardly get your hands around them. And you know, there's nothing like a real homegrown tomato, right? And the biggest argument that might be in modern day would be Miracle Whip or Mayo for a BLT, right? So the differing perspectives that people have. My grandparents, Sean's grandparents, they, they knew how to grow gardens, but yet in today's culture, our gardens tend to be the produce section. And so we've got some difficulty in really getting in the sense of the earthiness, though I know some of you still love to garden, but most of the time those gardens are around plants, but we've lost our ability to put our hands in the earth to participate in what it means and to, to grow what sustains us for life. I remember how eye-opening it was for me as a city boy out of Wichita Falls, Texas, to actually go and they ask if I wanted to go with as they slaughtered a hog. And as someone who'd never seen that, that was pretty startling and graphic, yes. But it awakened me to the reality of where things come from that sustain us. And here's a challenge for us. We hear this text, it sounds really nice, but we are a consumer-driven culture, which mainly means most of our sustenance comes from a barcode and a beep, not from putting our hands into the earth. And yet, when we look at the biblical text, we understand that God is the preeminent and original gardener. After all, where did this whole thing of creation start? It started in the garden, right? God created the garden. He planted the garden. He prepared the garden. He gave boundaries in the garden, which we didn't follow, and led us to the place that we're at. And the garden imagery of who God is is sustained throughout Scripture. We can make sort of a Bucky's quick stop at the book of Jonah, only to find that we see this God who is still in the process of redeeming humanity, reaching out, inviting into relationship, and we look at Jonah who's fleeing from God. We see that sort of metaphorical image. But when you get to the end of Jonah, this ag agricultural image, this gardening, cultivating image, is what happens when Jonah's trying to process all that God has done, and he's a little frustrated that God is so full of grace. And you remember the text, he falls asleep and a vine grows up. He falls asleep, the vine is gone. So many imagery, images are about the way in which God is the gardener. After all, when we moved the garden, it was in the garden where Mary sees who? He, in the resurrection, she comes out, she sees the empty tomb, and she's in the garden. Do you catch the imagery that what began in the garden continued in the garden, Right? Both creation and resurrection in the garden. 
And when Mary comes back from the empty tomb, according to John in John chapter 20, she comes out and she mistakenly sees Jesus and thinks he is the what? The gardener, right? So just hold on to that imagery for a minute. When we think about who our lives are and who God is, and if you think about the gospel of John, the gospel of John, as Mickey Eford says, that there are two sort of things happening in the gospel of John, and they're parallel tracks. There's what's happening, and there's a spiritual dimension, right? So there's a conversation with Jesus, with Nicodemus, being born again. It's not about a physical birth. You move on to the woman at the well. Give me that living water, she says. You move on in the boy who is healed of a blindness. It's not just about the physical blindness. It's about spiritual blindness, being able to see Jesus. So maybe John in some ways knew exactly how to record this, that when Mary saw Jesus, she thought he was the gardener. And he was. He's the original gardener. But she mistakenly didn't recognize him as the Christ. You and I are God's garden. Later in this series, we'll look at the teaching of text that takes a different metaphor about God's word being spread on different grounds. But today, what we really want to look at is, who are we in relationship to God? And is Paul addressing the church of Corinth, answering questions about the early church and also about who they are and what God is doing? There are some important things that we need to remember for our journey in Christ together. We need to remember first that we are all a work in progress. Every one of us is a work in progress. The way we speak of that in our Wesleyan Methodist heritage is sort of an odd kind of thing. It's similar to how we use the term kairos, but not everybody understands that kairos is a ministry that goes into prison. So we'll use the term kairos, and we want to flesh that out so everybody understands. When you hear kairos, what you're hearing is a group of men and women that go into prison. They go in for the day, they share the good news, they leave in the evening, and they deposit and they encourage men and women who are in prison to hear the gospel message. We even have a group of Kairos that went on death row where the men were not let out of restricted areas that they would hear God's love for them. So when we use this term in Wesleyan heritage about how God is still working on us because we are a work in progress, Wesley would use the term that we are all going on to Christian perfection. In our modern vernacular, we can think that means we're being made perfect, right? Well... We've made perfect in love is the way Wesley talks about it. What it means is as we make our lives available to God, we increasingly reflect what God desires and designs our life to be. And we're moving on towards perfection. We each are a work in progress. Or to pick up the imagery from last week, we are being sanctified. God is growing in our hearts and we are increasingly reflecting what God desires us to be. So the first thing to recognize is every one of us is still a work in progress. In every one of us, God still desires to grow. The question is, where will that allegiance be? Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first... 
We would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. Listen to the way that Alistair McGrath sort of breaks this down in a graphic way. He says that Christian thinking about God comes to an abrupt halt at the foot of the cross. The Christian is forced by the very existence of the crucified Christ to make a monumentous decision. Either you seek God elsewhere or you make the cross itself the foundation and the criteria of all of your thought about God. Friends, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And in that place, all are welcome into God's presence. All are invited to grow. And God is growing you. Why? Because you are God's field. It's right out of the text. You are God's field. It's been a crazy summer for most of us with, the, um, with how dry it's been. And, and what happens when, when times of, of lack of rain, what I've experienced in just trying to keep my yard alive, is that often the drier it gets, what it actually reveals in the surface of the grass health is the health below the surface. And I had a terrible time when we were in Amarillo. I, I couldn't get one section not to stay green. Now, the first challenge is getting anything to stay green in Amarillo, right? But it, it just couldn't. So I finally got some help from somebody, and, and they came out, and they literally all they did was they had a, a long rod, just a, just a metal rod about that big around, the size of a big pen, and they went over to the dry spot and they started jabbing it down in. And I thought, oh, this is, I guess we need to aerate or do whatever. Now what they were doing is they were jabbing it down because there had been some concrete work. And sure enough, you know what we discovered? We discovered that about this far below the surface was this massive place where when they were pouring the sidewalks, they decided to rinse out whatever they were doing. And so there was a piece about this big around. It wasn't very thick, but it created just below the surface. It created an impenetrable sealant. So the grass was literally only growing this far down. Sometimes I think when we encourage ourselves to dig deeper into our faith, what we need is a spiritual kind of diviner rod, if you would, to find out what's below the surface. How deep are the roots? Is there some embedded hurt? Is there a lack of awareness? Is it because we're still surface Christians and wanting barcode and produce section faith? Or do we have good soil from which God can grow? Roots can grow into. Friends, you are God's field. And the terrifying gift of free will that we got while we were in the garden, the, the, the ability to choose, that terrifying gift allows us to allow the soil of our life to be cultivated by God or for us to simply live at a surface level. How do we go beyond being just 
shallow Christians in following Christ? Well, first is we recognize it is God who does the growing. Paul says clearly that in this early church at Corinth, as people were jockeying for position and looking for allegiances, that Paul and Apollos had the exact same purpose. Now think of it this way. How many Apollos United Methodist churches do you know? Not many. In fact, I don't know of a single Apollos United Methodist. I don't know of an Apollos Catholic church or an Apollos Lutheran church. Given the, what the Lutherans did Saturday, they ought to be called the Bavarians over here, right? I mean, what a great way to partner, though, in our community and help serve each other, and we serve the community well together. But you know a lot of St. Paul Methodist churches and St. Paul Lutheran churches and St. Paul Catholic churches. So isn't it fascinating that Paul himself says, look, we were simply God's instruments. It is God who has been doing this amazing growing. This is just what our purpose was in this moment. And so as we launch into this series about the seeds of hope, about looking back on 50 years of faithful service, we are mindful that God has used many instruments as his soil in different seasons to grow the church. And as we look reflectively, it should encourage us for the moment that we are in and give us hope for the future. But again, here's another aspect of this terrifying gift of free will. The church is unable to go collectively where we each are unwilling to go individually. The church is unable to go collectively in our witness to the world where each of us is unwilling to go individually. Your faith, friends, is a personal faith in Christ, but it is not private. And how we come together as a community of faith to recognize our walk with Christ is not something we practice on Sunday morning, but it is a lifestyle that is found at the foot of the cross when we make the determination of who we choose to follow, who we choose to serve. Paul says clearly in this text, who are we uh, compared to God? We're, we're literally nothing. It's God who gives the growth. And this magnificent and wonderful plan of redemption that God is doing in our world, this work of God that is to redeem all of humanity, it is happening because of what God is doing in our midst, in us and through us. You know the words, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the lilies. There's an intimacy in that hymn. We know that our hope is built in the words of the hymn on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The hymns of faith remind us that our lives are grounded in Christ. This season, this season for us, as we begin to celebrate in the moment and look to the future, is the literal opportunity for us to look at the, at the times and places where we step forward to be the church in the world. Many weeks, we say, we have an opportunity for you to serve and help out in children's ministry. We need help in that area. 
We need folks to be willing to step forward in the coming weeks. We will be sharing with you where are the places that your service could help serve the world. But I want to say this clearly. Your following Christ is not defined by what you do at 1799 Woodland Hills or across the street. Your following Christ, your being God's field, is the way in which your life is an extension of the gospel and invitation to a hurting and broken world. James says it this way in James chapter 1, verse 21. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. God is the gardener. We're the soil in this imagery. It's God who's tilling the soil. Do you feel like your life's being uprooted? Well, sometimes the soil has to be turned a bit to, to get the nutrients up, to get the oxygen levels up. Sometimes things have to be discovered. I mean, if we want to talk about the struggles of life, I can tell you in graphic detail what it was like being at the farm in Wisconsin when they moved to fertilize the fields. And in Wisconsin, they did not go down and buy fertilizer. They took it from the barn. And the way that this cycle of life happened is that what was the stench of manure became the nutrient of the soil, and God used it for growth. Friends, sometimes when life happens, God's grace is waste management. When you can't figure those things out, lean in to ask, God, in this season, what do you want to cultivate and grow in me? Lean into that imagery of James, knowing God has planted his seed in your heart. The good news of the gospel, created by God, loved by God, found at the foot of the cross, you make a decision today. Who will your allegiance be to? Who will you choose to follow? Who will define your life? I pray that as we move through this series, you will understand that it is this one whom we call Jesus the Christ. He's known as the wounded healer of Galilee. He is, as Henry Allen says, the actual wounded healer, the walking wounded, the one who was literally loving us to death on a cross that we might be loved to life eternal. Friends, you are God's field. What will God do with us in the future is solely determined not by God, but by our willingness to let our lives be the soil in which God tills, fertilizes, plants, and grows. And if Grandpa and Grandma Larson... And Papa can grow something magnificent out of soil in Arkansas and Wisconsin. I can't wait to see what God grows in you and in this community. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for all the ways that we have seen you move in our midst. So would you bring to our awareness those places where we have created a barrier to listen and respond? Would you help us become aware of where we have insulated ourselves from the transforming power of your Holy Spirit? 
Would you give us the opportunity in worship to find that deep and abiding confidence in word, liturgy, song, and scripture to recognize that our lives are your soil in which you plant. And as we sit at the foot of the cross, would you help us recognize that that defines your love for us and who we are. God, help us to be the people that you have called us to be that we proclaim to be in song and creed this day and the kind of people in whom Christ is seen clearly in the world we send forth now to serve. For this we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people did say, Amen.